Before we get started, should we just have a, a, a prayer, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to come to you right now and ask you that there be any sins among us as a people, individually, or myself, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of those sins, give us a heart of repentance, and uh, to help us to turn away from those sins. We don't want anything that would hinder your spirit or your presence from being here, Lord. Please be with us. Please be with me as I present your message. Please let the message, your words, found in your scriptures, and the spirit of prophecy settle in the people's hearts, including mine. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I would like to ask a special request. My, my dad, uh, I've mentioned in the past, uh, has come down with esophageal, esophagus cancer. And uh, he's chosen to, to go through surgery. And this Wednesday, they're going to do it. Uh, they're going to take the part of his esophagus out and make part of his stomach his new esophagus and move his stomach up. So it's a pretty major surgery for somebody who's over 80 years old. And so I just ask you if you keep your your prayers and please be with pastors and their beautiful granddaughter. What a um, horrible road they've gone through. But uh, I trust God no matter what the outcome is for everybody because God knows what's best. Amen. Amen. Is rich, rich. Uh huh. He goes by the name of Rich. Yeah, yeah. Um, the title of my sermon today is called "Walking in the Spirit," and there's a scripture text in Galatians chapter five, verse seventeen, which says, "Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh." So that is the term uh, sermon topic for today. And I want to preface it a little bit because I know sometimes a lot of my sermons can be kind of heavy, you know, and I know that. And um, today probably won't be any different, uh, although I hope to have some lighter sermons in the future. Um, but you know what? I really believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And I really believe that he wants his people ready for when he comes. And he's trying to reach our hearts, and communicate through this Bible, through the spirit of prophecy, and through through his speakers throughout his church, to get his church ready. And I really believe that there is a straight testimony that is going out throughout God's church. And we know that the straight testimony is given to get his church ready for him to come. Do you believe that? There's no doubt. If you've heard some of the speakers that we've had in Brooklyn, I think you will, nobody tells a speaker what to preach, but... Every speaker has come up here and preached a very straight testimony. And I praise God for that. So if we, if I step on anybody's toes today, I want you to know it is not for the purpose of stepping on anybody's toes. It's only because I love you and I want to see you in the kingdom. Okay. When you study Paul's writings in the Bible and Romans, or just study the writings of Paul, you will find there is two major contrasting ideas that Paul uh, demonstrates or shows or explains. And one of them is found in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14. And I'm just going to read 14, 18, and 19 just to get the gist. You're very familiar with these scriptures. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For I know that it is in me, that it means in his flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, 
I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, there's no question what Paul's talking about here. Paul's talking about that he wants to keep God's law, but he finds that even though he wants to keep it, he finds that he can't. And then you come to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. This is Paul also speaking. And Paul says this, that if I walk in the Spirit, he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Two major contrasts. One, you can't. I want to keep God's law and I can't. But if I walk in the Spirit, I can keep God's law. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So then how important do you think it is as a Christian that we walk in the Spirit? It's extremely important, right? I mean, if you're really struggling with sin, if anybody is struggling with sin, your answer to the question or your answer to your problem is walking in the Spirit. And that's why this is the topic today. I believe there are many Christians who, just like Paul, want to keep God's law. They agree God's law is good, and they make every effort to try to keep it. And they might keep it for a week or two, a month, six months, but then they fall. They keep it a week or two or three months after they fall, and then they fall again. And this seems to be a repeating theme. But I will tell you, brothers and sisters, I hope that I can convey through God's Word today that if you walk in the Spirit, you can keep you can reach a point in your Christianity where you never fulfill the lust of the flesh ever. That's possible. Do you believe that? Amen. It's true. To be a Christian, when we accept Jesus Christ, it's a very, very serious thing. And many people treat it as a light thing because many people think to accept Jesus Christ is just a matter of saying, hey, I accept you, Jesus, and that's it. But when you study the scriptures, you find, no, there's a lot more to being a Christian than just saying a verbal, I accept Jesus Christ. It's a whole new way of life. It's a whole new way of thinking. And Jesus conveys this and teaches this over and over in the scriptures. To give you an example of this, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 61 and 62, there is a man who chooses to follow Christ. And he said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my home, my house. And then Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's a heavy saying. You see, when you follow Jesus, you're choosing another path. The Bible calls it a narrow road, and there's a wide road. So this man, it isn't that Jesus doesn't care about his family, but when you think about it, his family is not choosing to follow Jesus. He's choosing to follow Jesus. And when you follow Jesus, it's as if you put your hand to the plow and you go forward, never looking back at your old life again. You're choosing a new path. That's what Jesus is conveying. You're choosing a whole new way of life. And when you think about that statement, any man that looketh back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Well, who else had a problem with looking back? Lot's wife, right? We all know the story of Lot's wife. Here again, here's a man that's choosing to be to follow Jesus. He's choosing a new path, a spiritual life, and yet he wants to look back at his old life, and Jesus say, no, you, you can't do that. If you're going to accept me, you're going to follow the new path. You're going to expect us. You're going to walk in the spiritual life. 
And the same thing with Lot. Here God comes down. Here is the wicked city of Sodom. And we all know where the word Sodom, me, comes from. It's from the land of Sodom. And God comes down. He wants to save Lot's family, including Lot's wife. And he sends an angel down there to lead them out by his hand. <laughs> and drags them out of the city, away from the city of Sodom. And he only asked one thing. What was that? Not to look back. Same thing that Jesus told this man. Not to look back. But we all know what happened. Lot's wife had a desire. She liked some of the stuff that was going on in Sodom, and she looked back. And for that reason, God destroyed her. There should be, there's definitely a lesson here for us. It's interesting that even in the last day, God's last day church is called what? Laodicea, right? And what, and think about that. God's not talking about just anybody. He's talking about His church. Are we His church? Then He's talking about us. He says the problem with Laodicea is, you all know the problem, they're lukewarm, right? They're neither hot or cold. They're lukewarm. And because they're lukewarm, what does Jesus do? Spit them out of His mouth, right? He rejects them. When you think about the problem with Laodicea, is they want to be Christians, but at the same time, they want to be in the world. They want both. And you can't do that if you're going to be a Christian. We need to make up our mind and either follow Christ and enter the narrow path and walk in the Spirit, or we can choose to walk in the flesh. It's really up to us. It's interesting that even in Revelation 18 and verse 4, you're all familiar with this scripture, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Again, God is calling His people. That's us. God is calling His people that they be not partaker of their sins and that you receive not of her plagues. It's very interesting that this seems to be a repeating theme, a problem with God's people. Even in Egypt, when God raised up a nation, Israel, and He raised them up while they were in captivity in Egypt, they were enslaved, they were told when to get up, when to go to sleep, when to eat, when not to eat, they were enslaved. They could make no decisions themselves. And God came down and freed them through Moses by God's powerful hand. And he led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea, which represented baptism. He led them to Mount Sinai and showed them his law. Not that it was new, he just had to reinstitute it because they were there for 400 years and the people who were there, you know, they kind of forgot about it. And then he led them through the wilderness for 400 years. Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. There was no stores in the wilderness. God preserved their shoes and their clothing. He led them out of Egypt spiritually by God's hand. He fed them manna from heaven that was the Bible calls angel food. And what did they want? The flesh pots of Egypt. They were looking back. It just seems to be that there's this repeating theme Again and again in the scriptures. Even in the Old Testament, God is trying to teach to God's people that you need to separate from the old nature, the flesh. In fact, in the Old Covenant, God talks about, you know, He instituted circumcision. Now, we all know what circumcision is. It's a separation of the flesh. And God was trying to teach His people, listen, if you're going to follow me, you need to separate from the flesh. 
In fact, the New Testament makes it absolutely clear that's exactly what it means because in Romans chapter 2, 29, we're told by God that we need to circumcise our hearts. We need to separate from the flesh this desire of the flesh. It's taught again and again in the Bible. We need to become spiritual. We need to change. In fact, Jesus tells us in John 3, 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Again, can you see what God wants? He wants us to become spiritual. He wants us to turn our back on the old fleshly ways or old fleshly natures and follow the narrow road and enter a spiritual life with Him. And it makes, and it, it, it should be no wonder why God would want this because when you think about it, is God spiritual or is He carnal? He's spiritual. Is God's law spiritual or carnal? It's spiritual because Romans 7, 14 tells us, for we know that the law is spiritual. When Adam was created, was he created spiritual or carnal? Spiritual. And we're told very clearly, it should be no mistake then, that in the plan of salvation, God wants again to make us spiritual. Because if we're not spiritual, not only can you not keep God's law, because you can't keep it in the flesh, Paul already said that you couldn't. But if you walk in the spirit and you become spiritual, then you can keep it. It's as simple as that. And God can't take carnal people to be with spiritual angels and a spiritual God and a spiritual kingdom if we're still walking in the flesh, right? So there's a change that has to happen. In fact, we're told in the spirit of prophecy, in Review and Herald, uh, September 27, 1881, that in the plan of salvation, it is God's plan to restore man in his, to his condition, listen to this, before the fall. That is God's plan. So being born again, being changed is part of God's plan. And we need to know that. I'd like to read something. It's very interesting. I know I read this already once, but I want to read this again. I might actually read it one more time. But just pay attention to what Paul's talking about because Paul is trying to keep the law in the flesh. And I want you to hear this. For I know that the law is spiritual, which we already know, but I am carnal, contrast, sold under sin. I can't keep God's law. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent that the law is good. Now then is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that is in me, he's talking about his flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me means I will to keep God's law, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I delight in the spiritual law of God after the inward man, but I see another law. The law of the flesh he's talking about. In my members, meaning his body, warring against the spiritual law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the fleshly law of sin, which, sin which is in my members. 
So there's no doubt Paul understands the dilemma. He wants to keep God's law, but he realizes he can't because he's carnal and the law is spiritual. Do you see that? And then Paul finally comes down to as an answer to this dilemma. And in Romans 7, 24 and 25, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. So it's through Jesus is going to give us the answer to the problem of being in the flesh. But how is Jesus going to be the answer? How is Jesus going to be the answer? Paul answers this question in Romans chapter 8, 1 and 2. Listen, there is therefore now no condemnation, that means no eternal death, to them which are in Christ Jesus, listen, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. Did you catch that? Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. And when he condemns sin in the flesh, there's another law. It's called the law of the Spirit. And when you study the Scriptures, you find very clearly that there are three laws. Three laws. And we need to understand this of, of God. That if we're going to be God's people, it's imperative that we understand this. There is the spiritual law of God, which we already know about in Romans seven fourteen, which Paul couldn't keep. Spiritual law. There is another law on Paul's body bringing him back into sin and death, Romans 7, 2, and 3, that Paul sees that he knows it's in his body. And then there's another law, a law of the Spirit, to those who are Christ Jesus, who walk not after the Spirit. I mean, those who walk after the Spirit, Romans 8, 2. So it's very important that we come to a point where we choose that we take upon the law of the Spirit, the point of it is, brothers and sisters, we've been set free. Jesus set every one of us free because he condemned sin in the flesh. Do you see that? Paul tells us this in Romans seven twenty one. I I'm sorry. Let me back off. Let me back off of that one. The point of it is, brothers and sisters, that we have a choice. We have a choice that we continue to walk in the flesh or we can walk in the Spirit. It's really up to us. God never forces our will. And the Bible also talks about being spiritually minded. That we need to be spiritually minded. And the point of it is, I know this doesn't feel like I'm stomping on toes. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to get us to think how to walk in the Spirit. Every day we have a choice. We can choose to watch spiritual things or we can choose to watch fleshly things. We can choose to read carnal things or we can choose to read spiritual things. Every day we get up, we can wear spiritual clothes or fleshly clothes. We can choose to eat uh, spiritual food or we can eat carnal food. Every day we make decisions and we make these these decisions continually. Paul says in Romans 8, 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit do mind the things of the Spirit. So you have a choice. You can mind to do the things of the flesh, or you can mind the things of the flesh. Do you see that? Are you asleep? Amen? Amen. It's our choice. Paul says, 
in Romans 8, 6, for to be carnal, carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen? Amen. You can choose to have life and peace, or you can choose death. Right? Paul goes on to say in Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is at war with God, why? For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is at enmity. It's at war with God. Why? Because God wants the law to write, He wants to write His law in your heart and mind, right? He wants to bring you to the condition as Adam was created before the fall. So clearly, if we choose not to walk in the Spirit and we choose to walk in the flesh, we can't please God. And that's exactly what Paul tells us in Romans 8, 8. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, which is another word means make alive, your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify, that means put away the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. We're set free. You're liberated. Amen? God has liberated you. You no longer have to do the things that you don't want to do. If you choose to walk in the Spirit and mind the things of the Spirit, you've been liberated. But Paul goes on to say, when he talks about this great liberation that God has done, he tells us in Galatians 5.13, But brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not this liberty for the occasion to the flesh. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen? Amen. But sadly, think about it, sadly, it's very sad when you think about it, that many Christians would rather sin than walk in the Spirit. It's true. It's true. And it's very interesting that people, there are many Adventists who want to keep God's law, And they can't because they're trying to do it themselves. And you can't do it yourself. You need to be changed. And you need to walk in the Spirit. And you need God's help. Amen? Amen. I want to read this statement here. This is a statement in the Spirit of Prophecy. It's found in uh, Mount of Blessings, page 143. Many are attracted by the beauty of Christ and the glory of heaven who yet shrink from the conditions by which alone these can become their own. There are many on the Broadway who are not fully satisfied with the path in which they are to walk. They long to break from the slavery of sin, and in their own strength they seek to make a stand against their sinful practices. They look toward the narrow way and the straight gate, but selfish pleasure, love of the world, pride, unsanctified ambition place a barrier between them and the Savior. To renounce their own will, their chosen objects of affection and pursuit, sin, 
requires a sacrifice which they hesitate and falter and turn back. Many will seek to enter in and shall not be able. We're told that in the scriptures, Luke 13, 24. They desire the good. They make some effort to obtain it, but they do not choose it. They have not settled the purpose to to secure it at all costs of all things. The only hope for them, if they would overcome, is to unite their will to God's will. We cannot retain self and enter the kingdom of God. If we ever attain unto holiness, it will be through the renunciation of self. Are you willing to pay the price required of you? Are you willing to have your will brought into perfect conformity to the will of God? Until you are willing... The transforming of grace cannot be manifested on you. I've learned, at least in my Christian experience, that whenever I try to keep God's law, I can't. Even if I do it for a while, six months, a year, I sooner or later will fall. And even if I'm willing, so I've set my will to do what is right. But I've learned it is true that we must will to keep God's law. It is true that we must make some effort in the direction of obeying God's law. But the faith cannot be in yourself. It's got to be in God. Amen? Amen. If I think that I can do it, and my faith is in me, you're not going to do it any more than Paul can do it. My faith has to be in God, but there's something much more than just, just exercising faith. There is something called a surrender of your will. You have to surrender your will, not I will to keep God's law. That's... That is something you need to do, but that's not the surrender I'm talking about. It's surrendering it to God so He can work in you to will and do of His good pleasure. Amen? So keeping the law, walking in the Spirit, is a continual surrender of to God, of all things. Anything sinful. Anything that's contrary to God. I'm going to read another statement in the Spirit of Prophecy. The Christian life is a battle, a march. But the victory to be gained is not won by human power. The field of conflict is the domain of the heart. The battle which we have to fight, the greatest battle that was ever fought by man, is the surrender of self to the will of God. The old nature born of blood and the will of the flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The hereditary tendencies, the former habits, must be given up. Your will is not to be forced in cooperation with divine agencies. It must be voluntarily submitted. You must keep your will surrendered to God. Were it possible to force upon you with a hundredfold greater intensity the influence of the Spirit of God, a hundredfold, it would not make you a Christian fit for the subject of heaven. The stronghold of Satan would not be broken. The will must be placed on the side of God's will. Amen? Amen. So the secret to all of this is the surrender of your will to God and keep it surrendered. When you're tempted to sin, surrender to God. Don't try to, don't try to not sin yourself because you're going to fall. Your faith can't be in yourself. It's got to be in God. But you got to keep your will surrendered. And if you walk every day with a surrendered will to God, God will work in you to will and do and fulfill all that he says. For it is, we're told in the scriptures, for it is God which work in you both to will and to do. That's found in Philippians 2.13. So then once you surrender to God, then he will will in you to will and to do. 
It's God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is no longer I to do it, but Christ in me. So, with all this in mind, how important is it to walk in the Spirit? The question is, I can't tell you whether you're walking in the Spirit or not, but you know whether you're walking in the Spirit. I can tell you biblically that if you're still struggling with sin, you're walking in the flesh. Because if you're walking in the Spirit... You wouldn't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're truly born again, any man born of God does what? Not commit sin. Right? Can you be in Christ? Can you be walking in the Spirit? Can you be born of God and commit sin? You can't. So it's a, it's a continual surrender. I can't emphasize that enough. It's so hard to explain things that you, if this is something that you have to you have to do in order to experience it. Amen? And once you experience it, I promise you, you won't let go of it. You won't let go. Because you're, you're experiencing a living God living in you, doing in you what you couldn't do for yourself. Amen? And if we think that we can be Christians and go to heaven and cherish just one wrong sin, just one sin and think we're going to heaven, you're not, you're wrong. How many sins was it that kept that the cause of fall in Eden? One. Right? We're told this in the spirit of prophecy that one sinful desire persistently cherished will eventually neutralize all the power of the gospel. In all the Bible, there's not more powerful warning against the trifling with evil than the words of the wise man that the sinner shall be holden with the cords of his sins. Proverbs 5.22 Christ is ready to set us free from sin, but he does not force the will. And if by persistently transgression, the will itself is wholly bent on evil, I'm going to just sin, and we do not desire to be set free, if we're not, if we will not accept his grace, what more can he do? We have destroyed ourselves by our determined rejection of his love. Behold, brothers and sisters, right now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. Amen? Amen. We need to make a decision. We need to make a decision. We need to turn away from the flesh. We need to walk in the Spirit through a continual surrender daily. Paul said, I die daily. And we need to do it too. We need to take this Christianity thing very serious. The Bible talks about that we need to strive to enter the narrow road. It takes striving. It does take effort. But once you experience the power of God, as greater is He that is in you than Him that is in the world, once you experience that, you won't let go of it. And maybe you are experiencing. Maybe you're all experiencing. Maybe I'm the one that's had to struggle with it over these years. I don't know. I find it hard to believe it's just me. But I will tell you this, that once you do experience it and you are walking in the Spirit and you become spiritually minded, I counsel you one thing from the Scriptures, don't look back. And when you're tempted, the Satan comes to you and tempts you to something in the flesh, don't look back. Look forward. Surrender it to Him and He will give you the victory. And it's not, I'm not making this up. It's in the scriptures. It's in the spirit of prophecy. This is nothing that I've concocted out of my mind. But I can tell you it's true. I've, ex- I experience it. I didn't say I'm perfect. 
I'm just saying, but I've learned what it is to walk in, in the Spirit, and I know for a fact that things that I used to struggle with, I no longer struggle with. Amen? Amen. And that could be your victory too. Paul learned it. Paul could not say, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh unless he was experiencing it. Amen? You couldn't say it unless you were experiencing it. Paul was experiencing it. Enoch experienced it. Noah experienced it. God's people will experience it. The Bible is clear. Here are they to keep the commandments of God and had the faith of Jesus. I'll tell you what, they had the faith in Jesus. That's what they have. And you could translate that very easily in Jesus. They keep the commandments because they have faith in Jesus. But they surrender daily and they surrender the will. Let's just close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Heavenly Father, I know that you love us so much that you sent your Son to die on the cross for us. And I know that deals with our past, repented, confessed sins. But I know that according to your word, you're not satisfied with that enough. You want to change us. You want us to be born again. You want us to walk in your Spirit, Lord. If I somehow have failed in conveying that message, understanding, I pray of nothing else, Lord, that your Spirit gives none of us rest day or night until we're walking in the Spirit. And that we can feel your power. Because once we experience your power, and we're walking in the Spirit, this church won't be able to hold the people that will come here, because once they experience, they're going to realize how real you are. And I pray that will be everybody's experience that can hear my voice. And when you learn it and you experience it, share it. I take no glory to myself. Everything I present is nothing but from your word and the Holy Spirit, and the spirit of prophecy. And uh, I praise your name. Uh, I praise your name for this church and for the truth that you've given us. I pray for every person here, Lord, that will all be in the kingdom. And I know that we can be. And I know that it is your desire. Lord, make it our desire as well. Let's surrender our will. Surrender that sin that you've been unwilling to surrender. Surrender to God and see what he can do for you. That is my prayer. And I thank you for hearing our prayer, Lord. I thank you for your word, the spirit of prophecy, and for your people. And I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, who makes all these things possible. Amen.